follow. It's either intentional or unintentional, uh, you know, but, but it's there. You're following someone. You're some, following some philosophy. You're following some way of thinking, uh, some way of operating. Uh, you know, that, that's just what we're doing. There's a lot that's competing for your attention, uh, your commitment for you to follow along with them. Uh, they had that in Colossians, in Colossae, as Paul wrote to the Colossians. We face that now. We face that same thing. There's a lot of options out there for you to choose from, a lot of options that you're presented with every single day of who you're going to follow and, and how you're, you're going to follow, you know. So who is it? Paul's writing here to the church, um, those who had a relationship with Christ. Now, it's important for us to know that. You know, this is who he's writing to. He's writing to those who had a, a relationship with Christ or at least knew about Christ. He isn't writing to strangers. He isn't writing, he isn't writing to people to uh, try to convince them. He is writing to people to share with them, to explain to them what it is about this relationship of Christ that is, that is important. Uh, and that's part of what we're going to go through. The first week, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we looked at, uh, looked at this and said, you know, where do you stand? Uh, and you stand in Christ. Now, Paul had been against Christ. Paul had been against those who followed Christ. And those who saw him as the Messiah, uh, you know, Paul was very, was very much uh, against them, against anyone who had an, an, an acquaintance with, with Christ there. And then he came to know Jesus as Savior. He came to know Jesus as Lord, and he no longer stood against Christ. He now stood in Christ. That's how the book, the, the letter to Colossians opens. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by God's will. You know, he is there now by God's will. He is in Christ now, not where he was before outside and even fighting against Christ. But now he is in Christ and he's writing to the saints, those faithful brothers in Christ. Uh, he was writing this while he was under arrest in Rome, uh, you know, not where he expected to be at the time, certainly not under the circumstances that he expected to find himself in. But he knew in spite of those circumstances and in spite of that place, he, he you know, at this point wasn't looking to be in Rome. He was taken, if you will, from he, it, this, all, this trouble all started for while he was on a missionary journey. We call it a missionary journey. He just called it life. Just a thought for you there. You know, he called it life as he was doing life and, you know, going around where he felt God led him and doing life there. Uh, he was taken from that spot. He was arrested because of the opposition now that was presented against him because of Christ. And he eventually then uh, ended up in, in Rome here where he is on house arrest, different than house arrest for us. It just meant he had to pay for the joint. And uh, he, he had a guard with him. He couldn't leave. He wasn't free to go. That's not where he expected to be. But even under those circumstances, he knew where he stood. He stood in Christ. You know, it, not, not where he had thought he would be, but he knew where he was in Christ. We come, when we come to a relationship with Jesus, we stand in Christ. Now, last week we looked at, you know, we said, what do you know? Well, we know Christ Jesus as our Savior. You know, we, we know that not through our efforts, but through God's grace, through God's uh, uh, truth. We know Christ is our Savior. This week we're going to take a little bit deeper look at the person of Christ. Let's pray. and We're going to get into the next uh, few verses here. Father, thank you for what is ours as we stand in you, not because of what we have done, but because of your grace and your gift of salvation in Christ, not because we have worked up any grand scheme ourselves or not because we have earned anything. Um, we don't want the wages that we earn because the wages of sin is death, and it still remains that today. Uh, but, but new life in you, new life is what we're looking for. Help us to understand a little bit more. The reality of who you are, Jesus, that as we look into your word here, uh, we will 
we will be ministered to, uh, not just by your word, but by your spirit confirming within us, directing us, redirecting us if need be, into that place where we open our lives uh, and, and follow you, that you would be the one we'd be following. Uh, so guide our thoughts and our time, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 1, so if you want to turn there, Colossians chapter 1, if you're using the Pew Bible, it's 1084, page 1084 there. Uh, drop down to verse 15. I'm using a lot of other scriptures today. You know, I, I, I often bring in other scriptures, but uh, th- this is, um, you know, uh, uh, more, than, more than, than usual. They're going to be up on the screen for you. You know, so you hang on to, uh, you know, Colossians chapter 1 there. Uh, I want you to see that there's harmony throughout Scripture. You know, this is not a standalone, this is not a standalone thought that Paul is laying out here. He's telling us something that is in harmony with the, with the rest of the Bible, with the rest of Scripture. That's why we bring in some of these other passages so that you can see it. Now, because there's a lot more references than usual, you'll notice I have them, the verses, uh, the, uh, where they're located printed out in, in your Bible today, you know, in your Bible, in your bulletin, so you can find them in your Bible. How's that? Um, you know, so you don't get lost trying to write them all down. So drop down in Colossians chapter 1, drop down to verse 15. It says, He is the image of the invisible God. He's speaking of Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. Now we're going to pause there. Um, you know, th- This passage really opens up a fuller, a deeper picture of of Christ Jesus, a fuller and deeper picture, really, of who he is. Now, notice what it says there in verse 15. He is the image. He is the image. Uh, the, the word involves two ideas, really, uh, that word image. It, it involves representation and manifestation. You know, that's what it, it, the Amplified Bible, the Amplified trans, uh, version of the Bible captures it well. It says he is the exact living image, the essential manifestation of the unseen God. He is that it is more than just a, a picture, <coughs> which is what we think about when we hear the word image. You know, he, he is that he is that rep, he, he is there as that representation and the manifestation of God. You know, that's an, an important thing. He is the visible representation, the visible manifestation of God to created beings, to us. You know, it, it's more than simply a lookalike. In John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You know, the Word was God. It's important, and John lays it right out there for us, very plainly for us to see. He goes on, verse 14, it says, The Word became flesh and took up residence among us. He came down. He is that visible representation. He is that visible manifestation of God himself. He came and took up residence among us. We observed his glory. 
the glory of the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And it goes on, uh, that's at the beginning of his ministry. Here at the end of the ministry, in John chapter 14, in the beginning there, you know, what we were just looking at was, uh, it started before he was born. In the beginning, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. starts there. Here, this is, John chapter 14 is hours before his crucifixion. And here's what, uh, here's what it says. Jesus said to them, you know, this is after Philip said, you know, to show us the Father. He said, have I been among you all this time without you knowing me, Philip? The one who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Because you see, when you look at Jesus, you are looking at God. When you look at, you know, when, when you look at Jesus, you're looking at God, that visible representation, that visible manifestation of God. So as we read through Scripture and we see all that Jesus says, you're seeing a picture of you're seeing a, a fuller picture of God. You're seeing a, a bo- more of who He is. He says that, you know, that He is the image, the firstborn over all creation. That's stating His position. That is stating His pr- supremacy. It's not stating that He was born as we think of, you know, a, a baby being born. That's not what He's talking about here. When he's talking about firstborn. He, he's talking about that 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 position. Of, of authority, that position of superiority. That's what they're talking about. Now, Jehovah's Witnesses will use this verse to try to you know, tell you that Jesus was the firstborn so he couldn't be God. But that's a misunderstanding of what it says here. Because as you look at it, he, he's, not stating, he, he, you know, he's not stating his creation. He's stating his position overall. You know, nothing existed before him. If nothing existed before him, then nothing is supreme to him and nothing is greater than him. This is what he's talking about when he says firstborn. He's talking about that he is that, that there is nothing before him. There was nothing before him. That is what he's talking about as you look at it. It's going to become more obvious in the context as we go along here. Look at verse 16. He says, for everything was created by him in heaven and on earth. You see, he is the creator. And he is the creator of all there is. For everything to be created by him, he had to exist before everything. You know, for everything, the Creator can't exist after the creation. The Creator must exist before the creation. Last night, um, you know, some of our, our grandkids were with us, and uh, Jenny made um, made cookies. Who do you think was first, Jenny or the cookies? You see, it's easier for us to understand when we think of it that way. When you think of, you know, who, of creation, the creator has to be before the, before the creation. And he says, you know, he, he tells us right here, everything was created by him. He is the creator of all there is. Now, that's right in line with other passages. Again, in, in uh, the first chapter of John, in verse 3, he says, All things were created through him, and apart from him... Not one thing was created that has been created. Apart from Him, without Him, not one single thing was created apart from Him. He had to be there for all of creation. And He tells us, you know, very clearly, that, that one single thing came into creation without Him. Down in verse 10 of John 1, it says, He was in the world, and the world was created through Him. 
The world was created through him, yet the world did not recognize him. Now it says when, when the world was created through him, well, you know, as, as he's talking about here, what, what, he, what he's talking about, you know, not, not just, he was not just the agent of creation. He was the source of creation as well. It was created, he, he wasn't just the one whom God worked through. But as, as part of the triune God, as part of the one God, you know, he is the source as well of that creation. Not just the agent, but the source. 1 Corinthians chapter 8 says, Yet for us there is one God, the Father. All things are from him, and we exist for him. We exist, and there is one Lord, Jesus Christ, and all things are through him, and we exist through him. You see, he, 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 is, you know, he, he, is the, he is the creator. He is the creator of all there is. We exist through him. Now, science is now catching up with theology and, uh, you know, in the area of beginnings. Science used to use the argument that given enough time, we would have seen all of this happen by itself through evolution. And you may have heard a phrase one time that, you know, if you put enough monkeys in a room and let them pound, pound on a typewriter forever, they'll eventually uh, come up with the complete works of Shakespeare. That is a ridiculous statement. But you see, it's a statement that, that, that used to be used that, you know, given enough time, all of this would have happened by itself. Um, for everything to happen by itself, for everything to happen by chance, is a mathematical impossibility. You know, it, 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 given, given you know, any amount of time, the odds of what we see happening, the odds of what, the odds of what we see you know, in, in creation, you know, even given billions of years, even given billions and billions of years, you know, the odds of, of that happening is like somebody winning the lottery every day for 34 years. You say, well, that's not going to happen. It's because it's a mathematical impossibility. Because we know it's an impossible thing to happen. This is, you know, this is, this is the, the reality of what you have there. Now science is saying that, that there was a beginning, that there's not an infinite amount of time. They no longer say that there's an infinite amount of time, that, you know, there was a beginning, a fixed amount of time since creation. Now that's a huge statement, really. And that, that's a, you know, a, a huge thing. Uh, you know, they, they just launched this James Webb telescope. Hubble's the bubble now that doesn't work anymore, apparently. I thought they had some pretty cool pictures from that thing. Well, now they got this James Webb telescope. I don't know who James Webb is. Uh, Jack Webb, I know, who, but that's a different guy. Anyway, <clears throat> you know, and, and they say that with this James Webb telescope, they're hoping their plan is to see back in time. Now, what they, they, you know, they don't mean like science fiction stuff like we see, you know, the, what they're talking about there is that they're hope, they say they're hoping to see back to the beginning of time. And what they mean by that is that they're hoping to see all the way back to the Big Bang, the, the, thing, that, the, the, the thing that started it all. Their explanation for an originator of creation 
is an unstable mass that catastrophically exploded and resulted in the intricate design that we now see in all of creation. Now, that's really a different debate. Uh, but what they're saying, what they're saying now is that there is a beginning to everything. This is what science is now saying. There is a beginning to everything. We agree. We agree with that. You know, again, it's not, it's, it's not Christians against science. Don't, you know, don't, you don't think that. If you're thinking that, you're thinking incorrectly. You know, I mean, they, they began science to, uh, to be able to understand how God did these things. I mean, that was the, the origination of science. You know, now, sure, it's gotten twisted. That's because man's involved. Well, you know, imagine that. Um, And so what you know what you have going on here, you know, they now believe there's a beginning and we agree with that. We agree, you know, we disagree on the origin. You know, they uh, we believe in an intelligent, purposeful creator. They believe in an unstable mass chaotically exploding and bringing organization. But science is catching up with theology. Uh, The Goddard Institute is a it's a laboratory in the Earth Sciences Division of NASA's Goddard Space Flight Center. It's affiliated with Columbia University uh, Earth Institute. You know, this is not a, a Christian organization here. Uh, Robert Jastow is, Jastrowa is one of their astronomers, uh, and he's an agnostic. You know, he, uh, he doesn't believe you know, that there's a God. He wrote, uh, he wrote this in regarding the discovery that there is a definite beginning in time. This is part of what he wrote. He said this, the fact that they now see scientifically that there's a beginning of time. He says, this is an exceedingly strange development, unexpected by all but the theologians. They have always accepted the word of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It is unexpected because science has had such extraordinary success in trying to the exchange of cause and effect backward in time. For the scientist who has lived by his faith in the power of reason, the story ends like a bad dream. He has scaled the mountains of ignorance. He is about to conquer the highest peak. As he pulls himself over the final rock, he is greeted by a band of theologians who have been there for centuries. This is what... Robert Jastow wrote, I, I, you know, I, I did, verse 16, for everything, everything was created. Jesus is the creator. Everything was created by him in heaven and on earth. And it goes on, it says the visible and the invisible. Everything. Everything. I mean, that's, that's, that's what I said in John chapter 1. We looked at it earlier. All things were created by him, through him, and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. Everything is created by him. He says both visible and invisible. You know, visible, the, the creation that we can see, and the invisible, the, the creation and the power that we can't see. Have you ever seen the wind? Anybody ever seen the wind? You haven't. You have never seen the wind you've seen the effects of the wind you've seen what it has done you've seen what it can do we have this these uh, this thing in the in the in the garden 
um, in the place where Ginny and I plant plants and hope that weeds don't grow next to them. And sometimes they do, and sometimes the weeds win. But we still call it a garden. And um, so I I bought this thing that we stuck out there. And it has uh, two flowerish looking things. They're about so big. And one spins one way and one spins the other, you know. And when they do that, it makes this, you know, design and all this stuff. And, it, and it's kind of cool. And I, I can see that move, but I can't see the wind. I can feel the wind. We can feel it. We can feel its breeze. We would not deny that it, that it exists, even though we can't see it. He is the creator of the visible and the invisible. Those things we know are there and those things that, 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 I mean, that we can see and know and those things that we can't see, but we still know they're there. The visible and the invisible. Then he says, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. You see, Jesus was before, he was before all authority. So he is the authority above all authority. Not only as the creator, as the creator is before the creation, the one who gives authority, you know, is the greater authority and is there before the others. You say, well, how, you know, how, how does he give authority? It's very clear. Daniel chapter 2 says, may the name of God be praised forever and ever. For wisdom and power belong to him. He changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. And, you know, people, people can look at, I had to get those words out. People can look at things sometimes and say, well, he established the wrong king there. You know, and that's what we might think sometimes, that he's established the wrong leader there. We might think that sometimes. Read the Old Testament and see how many times um, Israel may have thought, well, you got the wrong leader there, baby. Well, sometimes we would say, yeah, they did. Uh, but, but look how many times God used those who didn't recognize him to work on his people. You see that over and over again through the Old Testament. You know, we, we see it, we actually see it today. A little bit later in Daniel, it says, This is so the living will know that the Most High is ruler over the kingdom of men. He gives it to every, anyone that he wants. And he sets the lowliest of men over it. He is the ruler. He is the one. He gives it to anyone he wants. John chapter 19. Jesus is brought before the Roman authorities. Jesus is brought before, you know, at these trials, he goes before the Jewish people, the Jewish authorities. He goes before the Roman authorities. Here's what he says. He says, you would have no authority over me at all, Jesus answered him, if it hadn't been given to you from above. If we were there watching this, we would have thought this is wrong and this is the wrong ruler. Why? Because he is killing the one that we think is the Messiah. He is killing the one that we think is the Lord because they had a messed up view of what the Messiah was going to do. But you see, when you're in the midst of it, sometimes it doesn't seem to make sense. Here, Jesus tells them very clearly, though, you'd have no authority over me at all if it weren't given to you from above. It wasn't Rome who put you here, Pilate. They were just, they were just the, 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 I was going to say pawn. Um, I guess we could use that. They're just the instrument that God used to put him there. 
Romans chapter 13, as Paul is writing to the church, he says, Everyone must submit to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist are instituted by God. Why? Because Jesus is the ultimate authority. He is the ultimate authority. He is the one who gives authority to another. The one who gives authority to another is the greater, that is the greater authority. When your parents told you, when you were growing up, when your parents told you, go get your, you know, go, go tell your brother, your sister, there, go, go tell the other one, you know, to come in now. And you go out there and you say, mom says you got to come in. Well, you see, that carried authority. Why? Well, not because it's the brother, because mom said. I'm standing here in the authority of mom, and mom said, get home. You know, and it, the greater mom gave the authority to the lesser, the kid. The, the greater gives the authority to the lesser, and Jesus is that ultimate authority. There is no greater authority than God. There is no authority greater than God. Hebrews tells us this very plainly. It says, for when God made a promise... Uh, to Abraham, since he had no one greater to swear by. He swore by himself. Why? Because there was no one greater to swear by. There was no greater authority. There is no greater authority. For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. You see, creation itself is to bring attention to God. It is to bring attention, it does bring attention to God as people wonder where it all came from. Again, this is the start of what we see as science. They just saw it as, hey, I wonder how God did this. You know, and, and you know, the creation itself brings attention to God. All that exists brings glory to God as creator, as sustainer, as provider. Job chapter 12. He says, but ask the animals. They will instruct you. There's a picture for you. Huh? Ask the animals. They will instruct you. Ask the birds of the sky and they will tell you. Or speak to the earth and it will instruct you. Let the fish of the sea inform you. Which of all these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this. You see, the animals know and the animals testify to that. Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. The heavens declare the glory of God. The sky proclaims the work of His hands. Day after day they pour out speech. Night after night they communicate knowledge. There is no speech. There are no words. Their voice is not heard. Their message has gone out to all the earth. And their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens he has pitched a tent for the sun. It's like a groom coming from the bridal chamber. Rejoices like an athlete running its course where all can see, where everyone can see it. It says it rises from one end of the heavens and circles to the other end. Nothing is hidden from its heat. I like the way Paul puts it in the first chapter of Romans. Since what can be known about God is evident among them. Because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, that is, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being understood through what he has made. As a result, people 
are without excuse. I'm on a couple of um, woodworking. Uh, I'm in a couple of woodworking groups online, and you know so they put uh, they put things on there every once in a while. You know, one's called woodworking for beginners. If they're beginners, baby, I'm telling you some of the things they do and there's woodworking for beginners. They say, you have got to be kidding me. I don't think I could ever, I don't think I could ever do that. But there's some of them that I see over and over again where they put something up there, you know. And now I, I don't know these people, but, you know, I, I look at the name. You know, and I look at the name that's there. There's a couple, there's a couple of people that I follow online because I like I like the projects that they do. I like the things that they're building. You see, and and what they're building draws me, you know, to see who who did this. This is what he's talking about here. You know, when he's when he's he's talking about uh, you know what happened and you know that that they came and they people come and they see it and they're without excuse. Romans chapter 11, he says, For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. To the Corinthians, Paul wrote, Yet for us there is one God, the Father. All things are from him. And we exist for him. And there is one Lord, Jesus Christ, and all things are through him. And we exist through him. Creation shows his glory. Creation shows his majesty. Creation shows his position. Creation shows his power. It goes on, verse 17. He says, He is before all things. As creator, what we said, you know, as the first cause for all there is, God, you know, as God, Jesus existed before all things. We already looked at it, John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. When? In the beginning. Which beginning? Any beginning you want to choose. Because he was already there. In the beginning was the Word. Why? Because he, he's eternal. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was there in the beginning. Again, John, uh, verse 14, the Word became flesh, took up his residence among us. I love that phrase. It, 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 you know, a more literal translation is, and he tabernacled among us. What, what, you know, that's the picture in the Old Testament where he had, as uh, Israel was, was wandering he, in the wilderness, he had to make the tabernacle. Why? So he could dwell among, so God could dwell among his people. He came to dwell among his people, took up residence among us. We observed his glory. The glory is what? The one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John chapter 8, Jesus says, I, you know, I, I assure you, before Abraham was, I am. To them that was speaking of the eternally existent God. And Jesus says before Abraham was born. I am. The creator exists before his creation. To be creator you have to exist before your creation. And to exist before creation means he was not the one who was created but he was eternal. You see that Jesus is eternal. He is before all things. He's eternal. It goes on. It says, and by him all things hold together. You see, he didn't just create things and then leave. You know, God didn't just, just create things and then leave, you know, and then, and then take off. You know, he continues to be involved with his creation. Hebrews chapter 1 says, in these last days, 
He has spoken to us by his son. Uh, God has appointed him heir over all, of all things and made the universe through him. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature, sustaining all things. Sustaining all things, the one holding it together by his powerful word. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And Peter, in his second letter, he wrote, he said, where is the promise of his coming? Ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they have been since the beginning of creation. Since they willfully ignore this, that long ago the heavens and the earth were brought about from water and through water by the word of God. In the beginning was the word. Brought about by the word of God. Through these waters, the world of that time perished when it was flooded. But by the same word, the present heavens and earth are stored up for fire, being kept, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. You see, he's not only creator, he is the sustainer. He is the one who sustains all of creation. He created it, he sustains it, he holds all creation together. See, as he is before all things, and by him, by him, all things hold together. Paul was the one who was against Jesus, not in a subtle way. He was violently against Jesus. You know, but he met Jesus and he came into a relationship of faith with him, and, and Paul chose to follow Jesus. We have a lot of voices today. We have a lot of things out there, some directly, some more subtly. Who are you going to follow? You know, it, if it's not Jesus, you know, if, you're, if you find you're not following Jesus now, then just like Paul, change. Change and, and give, up, give up the other things and begin to follow Jesus. Begin to follow the one who came and the one who not only created all this, but came and, and came among us and lived with us. That we might see his glory, the glory of the one and only. And that we might know that he is Savior, that he is Lord. If you've, if you've, if you've you know, like with, with Paul, if you found yourself, you couldn't fight against Jesus more than Paul did. You couldn't. I mean, he was, he was hauling Christians back to, uh, to Jerusalem to face trial, to be ending up being executed. He was there, standing there, guarding, giving his approval as Stephen was stoned for his faith in Christ. You couldn't be more opposed to Jesus than, than Paul was. And Paul turned his life around and began to follow Jesus. And he tells us here, you know, that when we look at Jesus, we're looking at God. You know, that, that Jesus is the creator. Everything is created by Jesus. He is the ultimate authority. There is none greater than him. That he is eternal. Nothing existed before him. And he sustains all his, his creation still. What the Apostle Paul is pointing out, and not so subtly, is that you know that Jesus is God. You know that he is God. Now, when I was working on this message, I originally planned on going through verse 20, and it was driving me nuts because I just, it just wasn't, it just wasn't, you know, it wasn't going to... If you had another half hour or 45 minutes, you know, then we could go through verse 20, but that ain't going to happen today. 
Uh, so next week, I'm going to pick up with the next three verses. But, but this week, just remember, you know, look at your outline there. Just remember, when we look at Jesus, we're looking at God. He is the creator. Everything, everything was created by him. You know, and he is the ultimate authority. There is none greater. He's eternal. Nothing existed before him. You know, Jesus sustains all, you know, all of creation and still. You know, you know, know that Jesus is God. So follow him. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word, which is clear to us. To see what a great God you are, what a powerful God you are, and that you are God. That you have given us of yourself. That sacrifice that we needed to be forgiven. Help us to see you more clearly, not just in the world around us, but in the people you surround us with. Help us to open our lives up to you more that we might see you more and more even within us. And those areas, those times, those places where we haven't been following you as we should. Help us to leave what we've been following and to follow you. For your glory and for your honor, we ask in Christ's name. Amen.